Blog Talk Radio. And you know what that means. It's time for another rendition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And Mike, we've got an action packed show for everybody, but uh, we're going to start off on just a little bit of a somber note tonight. Yeah, certainly uh, a tragedy in the harness racing world. Ben Stafford Jr. in his mid 40s, uh, driver and trainer from the Delaware area, raced quite a bit at Harris, Philadelphia. Uh, where I uh, announced the races that uh, tragically passed away, obviously much, much too soon uh, in his middle 40s. So on behalf of all of us here at the Post Time with Mike and Mike, uh, just a a terrible situation, and our condolences to the Stafford family. uh, And, uh, hey, I mean, it's a tough time, a very tough time for them, and uh, certainly going to miss Ben. I see a lot of people on Facebook, uh, and I'll be doing so as well. Uh, changing their uh, Facebook temporary profile pictures uh, to the colors of one Ben Stafford Jr. So, uh, Ben, you will be missed, my friend. And, uh, you know, just a, a tough situation, Mike. Yeah, definitely. It was a uh, it's an unfortunate situation. The word out there right now that it was a uh, that it was a tick and it's a very unfortunate, Mike. But, um, you know, uh, lots of support, and that's the one thing I like about the harness racing community is that they support one another. Well, Mike, coming up on tonight's show, we've got a lot of great things. Larry Letterman, the legendary voice of Freehold Raceway, will be on about 7.30. He's our featured guest of the night, and uh, we've got one of his oh-so-funny calls from uh, just a couple of years back. Yeah, certainly, and I'm not even going to pronounce the name of the horse. I'll, we'll just wait till 7.30, and we'll get into that with Larry. That uh, That's what time Larry Letterman is uh, coming on, the legendary voice. And I'll tell you, Mike, he fits you. You hear the, the open 
um, that we play each and every uh, beginning of uh, each and every show. You hear the great voices of Roger Houston and Sam McKee and, and Ken Warkington and John Hernan and all them guys. And uh, Larry belongs right up there with them, no question about it. So we'll hear from Larry at the bottom of the hour. Plus, we're going to hear from Kathy Parker. She is the editor and general manager of the Horseman and Fair World. Uh, we'll talk to her a little bit about her career. She's also uh, a member of the Communicators Corner Hall of Fame, a terrific honor. And we'll talk to her about that. Plus, we're going to uh, continue in our ongoing series with Racing Under Saddle with uh, Helen Gregory. She's going to be joining us about 7.45 or so, and it's our ongoing series with Running Aces, Casino and Racetrack. Darren Gagne, the track announcer there, had a chance to sit down and talk with one of the great trainer drivers there at uh, Running Aces, Casino and Racetrack, Steve Wiseman. And uh, she'll talk to us uh, a little bit about, or he'll talk to us a little bit about that as well. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a fantastic show. And when we come back, we'll have uh, Kathy Parker on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. We'll be back. Hey, I'm Chantel Sutherland Cruz and want to tell you all about BetAmerica.com. It's the coolest place to bet on horse racing on over 200 racetracks from America and around the world. New players receive a 100% bonus on your first deposit, up to $300. That's the best sign-up bonus available today. It's time to play the Bet America way. The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standard breads the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations. Racehorse Adoption Program. Back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, jam-packed show today. We're going to hear from Larry Letterman, the legendary track announcer uh, of a bunch of different places, Freehold, Garden State, Atlantic City. We'll talk to Larry uh, towards the bottom of the hour. Plus, we're going to hear from Running Aces track announcer Darren Gagne. Had a chance to sit down and talk with Steve Wiseman. Helen Gregory will be visiting us. She's going to talk to us a little bit about racing under saddle. But first, we've got the editor and the general manager of the Horseman and Fair World, Kathy Parker joining the program. Hi, Kathy. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Don't forget HarnessRacing.com, our website, and our e-newsletter, Harness Racing Weekend Preview. My colleague Gordon and I just finished the deadline today. so You work much things. too. Kathy, listen, I've talked to a couple of people about you, and the, it's, it, the, it's an anonymous, deci- or anonymous unanimous decision that you work much too hard. Well, I don't know about working too hard, but Gordon and I try to stay on top of everything, and uh, with the website and the the, the uh, newsletter, we are certainly uh, plugged in, and uh, you know, lots going on. Meadowlands Pace, a limb this weekend, the graduate finals, another battle with Wiggle It Jiglet and Freaky Feet Pete. You know, it's we're in stake season. It's fun. <laughs> it certainly is. And now, you know, I was I was going to save that to the middle part of the interview to ask you about some of these horses, but since you brought it up, we're going to start with that. Kathy, you've seen a lot of great horses come and go uh, throughout your career. Do you ever remember, first of all, as much hype as especially was going into not only this season for the aged pacers primarily, but 
for the Ben Franklin? Not for a single race. I don't know. Well, there has been some hype. I, I'm unfortunately and fortunately old enough to uh, remember being at the uh, Meadows for the Breeders' Crown two-year-old Colt Pace the year Dragon's Lair won, and Annihilator was in the race, and there was a Houghton Stable entry, and there was quite a bit of um, hype. You know, Dragon's Lair was locally owned and uh, locally trained, and Pittsburgh really, really, being a sports town, really did, you know, grab on to that. So I have been around for that sort of uh, thing before, but, uh, you know, with Wiggle Jiggle and Freaky Feet Pete and, and Always Be Mickey, that was certainly, that's about as hyped as I've seen a race in a long, long, long time. <laughs> And what do you think about the, uh, as far as the talent goes, the collection of horses? Have you seen uh, a collection of talent uh, like that before? Well, I'll tell you, you know, the thing about the Ben Franklin that was interesting to me is that so many people had all these different scenarios going on social media as to how the race would play out. And really, the three top horses, they all brought their A games and they all raced great. And, you know, it just turned out that Always Be Mickey, I think, was the best horse that night. And, um, you know, talent-wise, those three are really, really top horses. Wigglet Jigglet, he's just, he's a very unique horse. I mean, the things that he does, you just don't see horses do. And, um, but, you know, you can't discount the other two horses. And I've been a fan of Always Be Mickey since he was a two-year-old. And then his three-year-old season, he started from post nine in the Meadowlands pace. He was parked the mile. He finished just, you know, just finished his dead game and, just gets beat and um you know then he he didn't race i saw him when he qualified here last fall with jimmy tactor driving i rode in the starting car to me he's he's the throwback kind of physical presence of a horse that that really gets you excited to see on the track so it, it's fun it's it's really a you know a fun season and um i don't know what we'd be talking about if we didn't have those three horses right now <laughs> i mean southland frank it's is good. heading for the hamiltonian but it sure is fun to talk about those three horses Oh, certainly. I mean, it's going to be a fun, fun season uh, throughout, uh, you know, keeping fingers crossed that everybody stays healthy right up yeah. until the end. And, uh, you know, listen, uh, I think they're going to be trading wins throughout the year. It's going to be certainly uh, very fun to watch. But, uh, Kathy, let's let's talk about you for a minute. How'd you get started in the business? Oh, my father's a trainer. You know, he started out doing a lot of other things. He uh, was an athlete, uh, was a in retail, ended up training horses. He's a farm boy from Ohio, and I didn't really intend to work in harness racing, but since my father was training horses at the Meadows, Tom Rooney was the PR director. He gave me a summer job. I worked in the PR office. Tom um, went on to do a lot of other things in the Pittsburgh area, including uh, promoting concerts and so forth uh, at um, a couple of the big event centers there, and he was a really good mentor, so it just kind of snowballed from there, going to school at the University of Kentucky. I was in Lexington. The horseman in Fairworld needed an editor. I, you know, applied. <laughs> I never left. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and, and, you know, it's easy to stay interested in your work when there's been so many changes, either in, in the sport or in media. You know, it's, it's um, I enjoy what I do, put it that way. I've been lucky to do it. And one of the constants uh, of harness racing over the past, uh, gosh, for how long has been the uh, Horseman and Fair World? Talk about the rich history of that publication. Well, um, you know, the magazine's over 100 years old, and of course a lot of people think that um, in today's world that print is, is dead or virtually dead. But what I find is that people have a lot of, you know, reading habits have changed, 
and what people are looking for at certain times has changed. For instance, you don't have to wait to get the horseman in fair world to find out who won the Hamiltonian or who they won it, unless you're really choosing to be in the dark. But um, but a lot of people still read print. You know, they, they have work, uh, you know, people that own horses, you know, they have jobs outside of harness racing and, you know, they don't have a chance to be on the Internet every day or to, you know, uh, get on Facebook or check their, you know, or they don't participate in Twitter with, with the industry. So, you know, people do look for the magazine to keep up with the news. I just had a fellow last week that called me, and he's like, geez, you know, you know, we're not weekly anymore. The magazine is not weekly. It's like uh, we're we're 18 issues this year. And uh, he said, uh, when's the next issue? You know, I want to know what's going on. And, <laughs> I, of course, I say, do you check our website? Do you get our e-newsletter? He's like, yeah, but I want the magazine. <laughs> so um, people do have different reading um, habits, and uh, we try to service them all. We pri- try to give everybody that wants to stay engaged in harness racing a, a medium for doing that. Now, so, Kathy, lately, I wanted I've been to ask going you. Through our, I'm sorry. Go Go right ahead. No, you're totally fine. Go ahead. No, go right I was ahead. just going to say, lately we've been trying to call through some um, photo files, and I've been digging into those when I need a 10-minute break from my computer screen. And um, just some of the things that you find um, are really, really uh, intriguing and historic, and, you know, it's it's really fun. So if you're a fan, it's fun now, to Kathy, put it that way. <laughs> gotcha. Now, Kathy, let me ask you a quick question. I wanted to ask you about the horse, Kathy Parker. Uh-huh. Now, did, was this, this horse? Did this horse come from from name being named after you, or was this kind of like a just a you know a revolutionary oh, this type is, of this thing? This is this is per uh, this is Jimmy and Christina Tactor. They've uh, named quite a few of their horses after um, media people. There's been a Sam McKee. They named a Trotter um, Waterstone after my colleague Gordon Waterstone. Of course, that horse had to be gelded and exported. <laughs> but um, they, you know had named a horse after me not uh, quite a a few years ago. There was a horse named Ellen Harvey also. And uh, anyway, the first time they named a horse after me, she never made it to the races. And um, they told me they were taking the name back. They didn't feel like that was the right thing to do. They wanted me to race. So then um, Christina contacted me and said, "Would, would it be okay with you? You know, you need to submit permission to the USTA. And lucky for me, she turned out to be really good. It's been yeah, it's really matter, fun. <laughs> as a matter of fact, uh, she just raced at Harris, Philadelphia, I think, a week ago. Um, Kathy, you, you've been inducted into the Communicators Corner uh, Hall of Fame. Tell us a little bit about that and what that meant to you. Oh, it was, it was tremendous. Um, for one thing, if anyone has not been to Goshen to the Hall of Fame um, of the Trotter and the Harness Racing Museum, you really, if you're a fan, you really should try to get there. It is just an incredible place. It makes you feel very, very proud. There's great memorabilia, great history. Um, there's just people who, who haven't been there, they pro- they probably don't think what the big deal is. But whenever anybody has gone there, they just think it's tremendous. And uh, you, you get a great sense of pride. And for me to be, you know, recognized there is just incredible. I mean, it's it's a real honor, put it that way, because the place is, is a wonderful testament to the to the sport, and I'm I'm really grateful for the people that work really really hard to keep it looking fabulous and current and um, you know a part of our our culture in harness racing. 
Kathy Parker, the editor and general manager of Horseman and Fairworld and uh, HarnessRacing.com. Kathy, we certainly appreciate you joining us. And listen, do me a favor. Keep my good friend Gordon Waterstone in check, will you? I will. I will. Gordon's, Gordon's my, my first lieutenant, so we're, uh, we'll, we'll keep, him, uh, keep him on the trail for, uh, for this season, okay? All right. Kathy, we appreciate you joining us. Thanks a lot, Mike. Bye-bye. All right, that was Kathy Parker, editor, general manager of the Horseman and Fair World, and uh, does a lot of stuff for HarnessRacing.com. She does a lot of things for the sport of harness racing, a great ambassador for the sport. And uh, I'll tell you what, it was great to have her on the program, Mike. And, uh, you know, she mentioned uh, Goshen. That's one of the things that I certainly want to do over the next couple of years, and I know it's kind of tough because it coincides right in the Harris-Philadelphia racing season. But uh, I think, Mike, that – Maybe uh, over the next couple of years as this show progresses, maybe we should think about heading up to the uh, historic track. Yeah, no, go, a trip to Goshen would be a uh, good time if you've never been, and I know I've never been, but I've heard some fantastic stories of people who have gone. And, you know, uh, I believe, Mike, and correct me if I'm wrong here, they're, they're non-wagering races, Correct. Correct. Yeah, they're they're non-wagering events. So, you know, people come out, they come out for the love of the sport, and, you know, it's just a very, very good time. It certainly is. Well, we've got lots left on this program. We've got Larry Letterman, legendary track announcer, going to join us towards the bottom of the hour. Helen Gregory is going to talk to us about racing under saddle. Plus, we're going to take a look at the graduate uh, final, Mike. They're at it again. Wiggle it, jiggle it. We'll be taking on Freaky Feet Pete and uh, some other great horses in that race. We'll talk about that and much, much more uh, along with Darren Gagne. And he's going to talk to trainer driver Stephen Wiseman after this timeout, as you'll hear from Running Aces. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Betamera. Embroidery Unlimited is a premier provider of quality embroidery, screen printing, and promotional products. Our commitment to quality and pride in our work is second to none. We focus on quality and customer service. For all of your stable or business needs, Embroidery Unlimited is the number one provider in harness racing. Give Jim Winsky a call at 508-485-5522. That's 508-485-5522. Or visit them on the internet at EmbroideryUNL.com. That's EmbroideryUNL.com. Embroidery Unlimited. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At The Stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack is one of the premier harness racing facilities and card clubs in the Midwest. Located in beautiful Minnesota, just north of the Twin Cities, off I-35, and also available at simulcast outlets and ADWs across North America with live harness racing action May through September. For the full schedule and for more information, visit our website, runaces.com. 
Here are the highlights from the past week of racing action at Running Aces. On Saturday night, July 2nd, low rail crossing trotted to a new lifetime mark of 158 flat in the $8,000 upper level condition trot with trainer driver Nick Rowland in the sulky. Shaving nearly two full seconds off of his previous lifetime best in his 21st lifetime win. While Nick Rowland also teamed another of his trainees, Banker Volo, to victory in the $11,000 featured open trot, setting a new track record of 155 and 3 for aged stallion trotters in the process. It was also the fourth win in a row for Banker Volo. Also on Saturday night, driver Luke Plano had a big night with a hat trick on the card. On Sunday, July 3rd, the stars of the show were Buddy's Hope and driver Luke Plano, as Buddy's Hope for trainer Sean Lancaster outpaced a strong field in the $11,000 open handicap pace in 153-2. Also on Sunday, I'm an athlete with Nick Rowland for Jesse Pacheco, was a sharp winner in the $9,500 top condition level pace, scoring a half-length victory over dry ice with Dean McGee in a time of 154-1. and one. Driver Luke Plano remained hot on Sunday, posting another hat trick with his wins not only with Buddy's Hope in the open, but also Chew Tobacco Spin in 159-1, and also a win with his own trainee Barbosa, a strong victory in 156-1 on Sunday. On Tuesday night, the $11,000 Mayor's Open Pace, it was Party Hangover 2 living up to her title of Queen of the Open Mayors at Running Aces. She outpaced the field on the sloppy track on Tuesday night in 158-2 with her stablemate Cheryl Surprise posting a nice effort, finishing close second. Both are trained by Steve Wiseman and Party Hangover 2 had Steve Wiseman in the sulky. It was Winsun T-Bird rounding out the top three in the Mayor's Open with Tim Mayer in the bike. Top drivers this week at running aces were Luke Plano with seven wins, and Nick Rowland and Steve Wiseman both picked up six victories this week at running aces. Okay, Darren Gagne here at Running Aces, and joining me today is a man who is currently the top trainer at the meet in 2016 and currently third in the driver standings. And he's also been among the top three in both trainers and drivers over the past several years here at Running Aces. Welcome to Mr. Steve Wiseman. Welcome, Steve. How you doing? Glad to have you on the program. Now, Steve, as I mentioned, you're the top trainer currently, and you're currently third in the driver standings, which is pretty impressive because these guys got almost two weeks head start on you at the beginning of this meet. You were sidelined with uh, driving from a back injury. So we're certainly glad to have you back in the sulky and back to your winning ways, climbing up the ladder here in the driver's standings. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. Still still a little back problem, but we're working on that daily. So, good so. deal. And we're glad to have you back in the sulky. And, you know, last year you made it very exciting in the driver's standings uh, down to the last day. You and, and Nick rolling back and forth, and Nick wind up winning by just one win last season. But you've been doing great here the last several years, right at the top of the list every year. So we want to find out a little bit more about you, Steve. What is your background in harness racing? Where did you get your start? Um, third generation, actually. My grandfather used to race horses all up and down through British Columbia and Santa Anita and Denver. And my father raced with them, and that's where I got my start. I just followed in their footsteps. So where, would, where did you actually get your very first start in driving? In driving, my very first start was in, I worked for Joe Anderson in Chicago. Okay. And I drove my very first winter working for him. Cool. Back at Balmoral. Okay. And you spent a lot of years racing out in California as well. That's home. 
That's home. home. Okay. Yeah. Now, this is a tough question that I ask everybody, and everybody has a hard time with it, but what is your favorite horse that you have campaigned over the years? It'd probably have to be a horse that kind of got me going, a horse named Marine to Marine. I claimed him, and uh, he turned out to be a nice little horse for me and got me got the ball rolling, basically. Great. Anytime you can claim a horse and have success and make money with it, that's, a, that's definitely a success story. So Did you have that horse for a long time? Yeah. We raced him throughout his career and retired him. Cool. That's a great story. Now, how many horses do you currently have in your stable? Right now we have, uh, there's going to be 24 here. Wow. <laughs> That'll keep you busy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good thing you have a big support system back there working with you in the barn, your family, correct? Yeah, with my wife and my daughter, and I got a great crew that been with me for three or four years now. You know? Great. Now, you, as always, have a very strong stable of horses here at Running Aces this year, and I've got uh, listed a few here I want to talk about real quickly. Party Hangover 2, what can you tell me about that, Mayor? She's always tough in the opens here at Running Aces. I, I think her lines speak for herself. I mean, she's... She's incredible. She's yeah. won uh, all but two races this year, correct? Yeah, she's, she's a nice mare. There's, you can't take nothing away from her. I mean, she gives her all every start. Okay, Jasmanian Devil, um, who Mooney's been driving for you in the Opens. He won three in a row. Didn't win this week, but certainly gave a good showing of himself. He's been racing really sharp. What about that horse? He's a nice horse, too. Yeah, I purchased him at the Delaware sale a couple of years ago, and he had a little misfortune last year. We were going to bring him, and something happened, so we turned him out and freshened him up and got him ready for this meet this year. Well, we're sure glad you brought him this year. He's been a sight to see out here on the track at Running Aces. Ideal Art is another good horse that you've got racing right here. Ideal Art's a nice little horse. That's my daughter and uh, my wife and uh, Mark Benbenga. And I met Mark, and he's a very nice guy, very yeah. nice gentleman, and you've got a few horses with him, correct? Yeah, we've been partners on a lot for over the years. Okay, so Ideal Arch racing really good, and Cheryl Surprise, another one that's racing fantastic. Yeah, she's turned around. She's, you know, we got her just before we, we purchased her, probably a month before we come here, and uh, she's turned out to be all right for us. Nice one out here yeah. this this week. Okay, now, um, your wife, Kathy Plestead, part owner of a lot of horses in your barn, as we mentioned, and your daughter, Tyler Wiseman, as well. Do you generally like to own a piece of the horses that you have in your stable, at least, you know, have a family connection, ownership? Uh, is that your general philosophy? Yeah, I, I think it's better all around, you know what I mean? And then, you have you know, a vested stake, vested I, I interest vested stake in every horse. And, and then the owners, you know, they appreciate it too, you know. You, they're, you're looking out for not just them, yourself also. Right, absolutely. I think it's a good philosophy. Now, for me, uh, in my opinion, any horse that's getting a driver change to Steve Wiseman here at Running Aces or first-time Steve Wiseman is a horse that players re really need to strongly consider to play because you have an uncanny ability to get improvement out of horses and particularly be patient with horses. And I've seen you on so many occasions here just sitting back there and then all of a sudden down the stretch you're weaving through horses and you come through the middle and you win the race. <laughs> <laughs> so is that a part of your general driving philosophy, patience and, you know? I've been known to be that way. You know, I've been known to be really patient with the horse and, you know, it just depends on the horse, it basically. Um, that's the way I like to drive. I mean, I don't like to overdrive a horse if I don't have to. I mean, right. You want to have them next, out, for next week. Yeah, I'd like to trip right. them out and do the best I can, but I've been told that more than once. You know I mean? Okay. Good. Well, we certainly enjoy seeing it when you do it. Um, you've been coming up here to Minnesota for several years now. What are your favorite things about running aces? Uh, it's just all the whole facility is incredible. I mean, you can't ask for a better place, and the people are great, and, you know, it's very family-oriented, and, you know, we just love it here. Right. And yeah. everybody back here is one big family. Yes, everybody, you know, they're one big family. You couldn't ask for a better group of people back here. 
horsemen every year. I mean, we have, you know, they have barbecues and everything and volleyball. And, Great. You know. Glad to hear it. Now, final question. you have any horses in your stable that we might want to watch out for in the coming weeks? Anything that maybe we expect to improve or you have any that are just getting started? Uh, there's a horse that's been knocking on the door. He's just had a little bad luck, racing luck, and that's Kukalaka. Kukalaka, he's okay. Ready, he's ready for a big mile one night. You know, he's just he's had okay. a little bad racing luck is all. I keep my eye on him because... All right, we'll be watching out for him. you have any younger ones that are just getting started? I don't really have much young ones. i got a couple new ones coming this week, and we'll go from right. there. Once we get them here, we'll Yeah, your stable is expanding right now. You yeah. had just a claim the other night, and you got a couple more horses coming in. Yeah. All right, well, we'll look for some more good things from here during the season. And I want to thank you for taking your time to join us today, Steve, and we wish you lots of continued success here at Running Aces and beyond. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Coming up this weekend at Running Aces on Saturday night, the $11,000 open handicap trot goes postward with Banker Volo looking for his fifth win in a row for trainer driver Nick Rowland. They are fresh off their 155-3 track record performance last week with another track record holder, Trot Fudge Sunday, trying to upset and along with the ultra-sharp gelding margin call looking to upset as well, plus three other rivals in the open handicap trot on Saturday night. Then in the $15,000 Minnesota Sired three-year-old pace, Freedom Reigns is back in action with Tim Mayer aboard for trainer Brady Jensen looking to extend their winning streak to six in a row. Chief challengers will be Swagasaurus Rex and Stucky Dote. Then on Sunday night, the three-year-old Minnesota Sire Trotters go for $15,000 with the gelding, the winning dollar, looking to remain unbeaten this year in search of five in a row for trainer Justin Anfinson and driver Nick Rowland. Chief challengers this week are going to be the two fillies in the field, Bombshell Betty and Margins Echo. The $11,000 open pace for horses and geldings on Sunday night looks to be a great contest with last week's winner Buddy's Hope drawing the rail this week for driver Luke Plano facing six very sharp rivals including Jasmanian Devil, Officer and a Gentleman, and I'm an Athlete. Post time on Saturday and Sunday, 6 p.m. Central. Then on Tuesday night, post time is 7 o'clock Central. And we add Wednesday racing at Running Aces starting July 27th. Wednesday post times will also be at 7 p.m. Central. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack is one of the premier harness racing facilities. And This is your Maryland Minute. The Maryland Minute is brought to you by Friends of Maryland Standard Breads. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads, in cooperation with RUS America and Ocean Downs Racetrack, brings you Racing Under Saddles Back on Track Race, Sunday, July 17th, at Ocean Downs. Racing Under Saddle and Starting Gates will have representatives on hand to talk about their individual organizations and conduct demonstrations. Also, $2.2 million purse earner Golden Receiver will lead the post parade as retired racehorse transitions the pleasure horse and ambassador for organization. Ocean Downs is located 10 minutes from Ocean City on Route 589 Racetrack Road in Berlin, Maryland. Visit them at OceanDowns.com or give them a call at 410-641-0600. Once again, it's Racing Under Saddles back on track race at Ocean Downs on Sunday, July 17th. 
Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. The only leader of this race is known, and Marshall's doing everything he can to bring him out for another quarter mile. On the outside, Amanda's tag an inch for second. Here comes the Jawi Hulamuna Bakahana and KW champion right behind three quarters in 131 and four and trying to take the throne away from the king is Quantum King Leo and it's the Jawi Hulamuna who wants to do it and the Jawi has taken the lead from Quantum King Leo on the inside Golden Yankee putting in a late charge KW champion but it matters not. It's the Jiki Hulamukahane Bakahati winning it all second Quantum King we're back at post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Larry, what was the correct correct pronunciation of that horse? I think it was. I know it's about eighty points in Scrabble, but I think the horse's name is Dejeriwa. But I've been known to pick up a program about five seconds before the race goes off, and I looked at this horse's name and I said, I have no idea what it is, so I'll just make it up as I go along. And that's basically what it was. And, and about six months later, I got a call from the owner who was from Australia. Or I don't know if he ha- oh, he he once owned the horse. And he says, "Mate, I got to tell you." And I said, "I actually know the name of the horse." And he goes, "I got it. I understand." And he let it go. We let it go with that. <laughs> Larry Letterman, legendary track announcer, joining us on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Larry, we're gonna. We're going to uh, talk about all kind of favorite memories, have some laughs here on this uh, program with you over the next few minutes, but uh, let's get it out of the way. Uh, everybody's wondering, how's your health doing? Well, you know, we're going to we're gonna play Quincy for about 45 seconds because uh, half the people think I'm dead, probably thinks I was, some of us deported. Some of them, I think maybe I'm in the witness protection program. So <laughs> let me just, I'll give you the whole medical thing, and this way it'll straighten everything out because we know racetracks, if you tell a story and someone runs with it, we don't, never let the truth get in the way of a good story. So this is the way it is. I still have, it's a malignant brain tumor. It's not moving. It's dormant, but it's there. I go for MRIs every four months. They can't figure out how I'm, I'm still around, but because they had given me two, two and a half years, and, and I take heavy seizure medication. It makes me very tired during the day. I'm kind of restricted from I, I'm, I cannot take plane rides because they're afraid of the pressure on the tumor. I cannot take long drives anymore, but I'm very good at changing channels now, and I bonded with Fios. And if uh, and that's basically what it is. I'm tired, ta- you know. I'm tired of what I do. I'm I'm tired, but I I can't help it. As but I said to my doctor, he said I said, look, you're Ralph Cramden, and I just ride the bus wherever you take me to do, and I do, and I followed every single thing he did and has told me. And it can it can be frustrating. It can get boring. But you know what? This guy's in a lot worse shape than I am, so I you just have to learn to accept it. And it is what it is, and thank God I got a lot, a lot of good people around me. So that's that's the medical story. So it is there. It's not. Fortunately, it hasn't grown. If it does grow, I won't last three months. But for some reason, it hasn't. But it's like living with the enemy. And if it wants to stay asleep, that's good enough for me. And that's the medical report. 
<laughs> well, Larry, we're uh, you know we're we're glad to hear that you weren't deported. You know, <laughs> I think that was yeah. Uh, well, I hadn't heard that, that could be next. Yet. Who knows what, what's going on in this country these days? Who knows? <laughs> well, Larry, I got to tell you real quick, talking about that Australian horse. I had a horse at Northfield Park uh, just a couple of weeks ago. The horse was named was Unfodans Mavi, and it was a Ron Burke trained horse. And I looked out at the program and I went, "What in the world would Larry Letterman do with this horse?" Because you couldn't separate the letters. It was really, uh, it was really, really tough. Well, uh, Larry, I wanted to ask you. You know, uh, we've heard you call it the Meadowlands. You've done a little bit of work um, uh, at. I believe I heard that you were at Delaware Park. Is that correct? I was at Delaware Park for three days. Uh, John Curran had, was under the weather, so they asked me to come down there. You know, and it's sort of like a driving a driving distance I can go. Um, so I went down there for three days, and I call Delaware like a little Saratoga. It's, it's really nice down there. It's good for the nerves. And I bring them the cookies, and uh, if I don't show up with the cookies, they don't let me in. So uh, we we did that for three days, which was good. And work, you know, work parks over the weekend, and here and there I fill in the freehold, and I do a little bit of Meadowlands. But there's been jobs I had to turn down, like uh, the quarter horse job at Hialeah. I, I was offered that, but uh, if I couldn't, if I couldn't bicycle down there or, or, or walk it, there was no way they were going to let me go. But you know what? I, I was happy uh, that Gabe got it. Gabe Pruitt's a terrific guy, and you know. But these are the things you got to live with, you know. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy. You know, I, I'm like I said, I'm not happy in the form of happy birthday, but you know what? I'm here. Larry Letterman joining us, uh, legendary track announcer. Uh, Larry, let me ask you this. Uh, you've done thoroughbreds, you've done harness, and uh, you've done both of them uh, pretty consistently throughout the years. Is there any difference uh, as far as your point of view goes from preparation or announcing the two? I would say it's it's completely 180. I can you have to absolutely look at the thoroughbreds because as you well know a horse can go from 12th to 1st in a matter of 5 or 6 seconds. At 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 the harness it's everything slow, it's methodical, it's a trip. And when they go, they're going they're just going a lot slower. I mean, you know, and that's the way it is. They got to drag drag a bike and and a driver behind them. The thoroughbreds, they race between them, sometimes you don't see them. Sometimes the colors are very similar. And you got to be really 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 on top of it. I mean, I've I don't think I've ever called a wrong horse at the Trotters, but I I remember back in the Atlantic City days where I called a horse, and the, they had switched color, had the exact same colors. They switched on the turn, and I didn't notice it. And after the race was over, I said, "Ladies and gentlemen, please hold on to your tickets." I blew it. And what what, is you, what else are you supposed to say? So right. calling thoroughbreds is much much harder than calling harness. Well, uh, Larry, I got to ask you. I talked to our good friend Sam McKee earlier. And he told me to ask you about the team of destiny. Oh, you know, <laughs> if, if I didn't love the guy so much, and he is really one of the, the true greats of all time, Sam. And the poor guy, I probably call him every morning. You know, he's he's like my Dr. Phil. I said, you know, I had this. And he's just, he he's, if you don't like Sam, you don't like, if you don't like Sam, you don't like Mother Teresa. He is just the most wonderful guy. And all he keeps telling me is the Mets are the team of destiny. But, I, you know, I got a backup plan. I got the Yankees, so they're not so doing so good. But I told him the Nationals are going to win the division. So he just keeps breaking my chops with the team of destiny, and I go along with it. But whatever he says, I go the opposite. But 
you know, it's it's almost a ritual every morning. But he hasn't changed his phone number yet, so I guess he can <laughs> he's he's accepting what I'm doing. <laughs> Larry, listen, you're known for your colorful style of announcing, and uh, there are a few instances, you know, stakes races and and, and spills, you know, God forbid, if something happens along that line, where you kind of got to do a, a little bit of a turn and you know, kind of do it serious. But when you were coming up through the ranks and when you first sat behind a microphone to call a harness race, what kind of inspired you to you know be so colorful behind the mic or was that was, was that something that just came to you or was it something you decided you know listen racing's fun and i'm gonna make it fun um uh, the answer to all your questions is yes the when i when i got into it i i used to do stand up I, I worked for the racing form and for a while but you know I, I did stand-up comedy in, in New York, uh, Catch a Rising Star a little. And I said, you know, I want to announce. So if I put a little comedy in, but like you said, there's a time and a place for everything. If someone gets hurt, everything all bets off. you got to be serious at the big races. You know, and you got to – I try to be clever, and you got, I, and, and you got to think fast. But if anything happens, you know, it's a super dangerous sport, and you got to respect it because I can't. They they may not be able to do my job, but I sure can't do their job. And it's not only because of the weight. I mean, I'm scared. When I'm seven floors away from horses, that's close enough for me. I'm scared to death of horses. Now, with that being said, uh, when I decided to get into announcing, I said, let me have some fun with this and see what happens. And you know, I said, and it's sort of like the pitcher. As long as you're, you know, you're 21 and one, you can have fun in the dugout with shaving cream and and buzzers and all this other stuff. But when you're one in twenty-one, you're not funny, you know. So, but right. I, I call I call the race, and people liked it. It was different. It was it was it was very different, and people people got used to it, you know. And so, and it's like the new flavor on the block. But everybody liked. Now listen, I mean I'm honest that no, if nobody likes me, but you know I haven't gotten any death threats yet, or I've I've gotten dirty looks and everything like that. And uh, you know a couple had had some uh, select word, but that's all right. You can't please everybody. But, you know, I find that if most of them, if they're winning, it really doesn't matter what you say. But I can understand that die-hard die horse player sometimes might get irritated, but that's why God invented a mute button. So that's okay. But, you know, what I did, but when it comes to clutch time, I always thought that I came through when I called the races nationally, you know, on ESPN and, and uh, CBS. So, am I, yeah, I mean, if I had to do it over again, would I do it? Absolutely. Larry, I got to tell you, one of my favorite memories of uh, listening to you call races was back in 2007 when I actually came to Freehold to meet you. Uh, what is your favorite memory uh, through all the years of calling races, all the years uh, that you've been calling? You know, maybe name a couple of favorites that you've uh, that you've had. Well, going back, the long one was. God, party with the big dog, I think. Joe Anderson had the horse at Garden when they had all the big races. Uh, when Garden State had the Nadia Lobel and the Governor's Cup and everything. And I, don't, I, I didn't even plan it. And it, I said, uh, it's a movie-like finish. And then I said, after eight, that was pretty good, Larry. You know, it's not for, like, complimenting yourself, you know. <laughs> that's, like, one step before getting, like, for the, for the balloony bin. But that's besides the point. Anyway, so I did that. And and through the years, um, you know, the national calls I was very proud of with the with the um, um, uh, what was the name of the horse, Sandpit. I won back to back, and then I called that and I said that those races went national. I was very proud of that. And um, and when I got called to do the extreme racing in Canada, which was unbelievable, 
when they had 18 horses in every race, and they had a race going three and a half miles. That was a lot of fun. So yeah, I've had to, I really have had some really really good experiences. Some of the some of the great races. Um, oh, let's see. I, I, I'm trying to separate the harness and, and the thoroughbred. The harness is, you know, I, I saw a lot of great shade, calling Shady Daisy was always good. And in fact, there was a uh, the, a race that won Shady Daisy. It was a Shady Daisy race, and the horse that won the race. And I said at the end, I said, and Shady Daisy would have been so proud of her, and you know, something like that. Uh, and I, actually, in one of the races, a thoroughbred race was a horse named the Hoss. And uh, Michael Dickinson trainer, for those of you who know him, he's back training now. Anyway, I, I entered the horse in the, in, in, the, uh, in the Jersey Derby. He says, Larry, the, 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 it isn't right. The, 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 this cell isn't right. This count isn't right. I said, Michael, I don't care what you're doing. I'm entering the horse, and you're going to win it. Anyway, the horse wound up winning the race, and he, and he was quoted after the race saying, I wasn't going to go, but I was bullied by the announcer. <laughs> So. <laughs> Larry, give us some of, some of your funnier booth stories. We all have them. Some of the things maybe that uh, are not expected that happens to you on a day in or day out basis uh, inside the confines of uh, an announcer's booth. Well, I had um, I was working at Atlantic City, and there was someone who I hadn't seen in a long time. She worked for the racing form, and right after the race was over, the mic was still on. And she just started tickling me from the back. She started scratching my back. And, all, and I'm saying, I turned around and I exploded because the race was still on. Well, the guys in the TV room must have been listening, and they turned the sound down. And I can tell you right now, Mike, if that had gone out, I right now wouldn't be talking to you. <laughs> I may have gotten 20 years what I said to her. But the FCC would not have been too proud of that. I can tell you that. But um, let's see. What are the good? What are the goodies had? Um, oh, let's. See. I, I know at Atlantic City that. I mean, this this was a brutal story, but they had put up a window because I couldn't stand. You know, what I would say on the board would come back and it was feeding back, so they put on a window. And when I was calling the race the week before, when there was no window and it was so hot in the room and humid, you know, it was eighty-five and ninety during the summer. An owl for it's coming at me while I'm calling. I'm seeing it looks like a seven forty-seven coming toward me. <laughs> And I had a little ledge above me, which was where the microphone used to be. Well, this thing comes in there, and I know it didn't fall off a wise potato chip bag. And this thing is sitting there, and I says, I know what owls eat. They eat rats and announcers. I said, this, this guy's going to kill me. So he flew in right behind me, and he's sitting there while I'm calling the race. Okay? I said, okay. So anyway, I got the maintenance guy to give him the SWAT, and I got him out of there. And the next week, you know, the creature had habit birds. Well, they had put up the glass. Next week, this thing's come at me at 747, and it's right against the glass, splat. I said, oh, no, this isn't good. Well. You know, <laughs> Audubon Society is not going to like this. So, no. anyway, that was a boom. And then I had I had one where um, Dennis Hurd was throwing dollar bills. He came up to visit me. Dennis Hurd was a trainer for Glen Lane, and he, ha- and he came up, and he brought up $101 bills, and he came in my booth, and he starts throwing dollar bills outside, out of my window. Right before, right before the first race, and the post race coming in, and, and he's just dollar bills in the in the runway, and people are diving over the thing when the horses <laughs> are coming out on the track. it's funny you mentioned it's funny you mentioned the owl story because at Buffalo, I had a pigeon fly into the announcer's booth, and he was sitting on my computer, 
and they were coming to the start, and I'm thinking, oh, God, just please sit on the computer. He must have ran into me about 32 times during that entire race call. <laughs> so it's funny you mentioned that. I had one, you know, my thing was anybody, if anybody wants to come and call a race, you know what I mean? If they, if, if they can speak English and they can basically look out the window, I'll give them the binoculars, knock yourself out, I don't call. But it kept on going on night after night after night, and people just weren't calling. I mean, people, they were just terrible. So then someone says to me, the uh, head of security comes, Larry, some guy wants to come call a race. I said, again, it, there was a, a, a profanity. Put, I said, you know, tell this so-and-so, please, leave me alone with this. I've had enough. It turned out to be the owner of the track. <laughs> Bob Levy. Thank God Bob was a nice guy. He just started laughing. But we had, we had one. This is an interesting story, and it's an announcer. You'll appreciate this. We, they had a contest at Atlantic City, and this guy, um, where, where you had to go call the race, and it was just the average person, and if you came out, they were going to give you – they figured he'll come out and he'll buy dinner. You know, and They didn't buy dinner for him, but they, they got for him, and he brought his whole family. There was like 12 people and everything. So when I listened to the call of the race, he was the best one. There was one little problem. When I listened to the call of the race – I could tell he called it off the chart because when he called the race, it was a six furlong race, and the rate, six furlong race is going like one, you know, one twelve, one thirteen. Right. Well, he called the race and went fifty eight seconds. So I said, either this horse set the world record, or this guy just called it off the chart. He's never really called the race. So they bring the guy up there, and I say, oh, you know, I very cordial to him, and he's calling the first race at seven furlongs, which comes out of the shoot, and there's twelve horses in it. And I said, what do you do in real life? He said, I'm a nuclear physicist. I said, oh, my God, a nuclear physicist and a racetrack announcer. You Diametrically, you can't find two. One guy is going to stop the world from blowing up, and, and, and most announcers are three-quarters nuts. So I said, this, this, this is going to be unbelievable what's going to happen. But you know what? It's his gig. His family's there. He's all excited. I put him in the booth. I said, now, listen, I'm going to introduce you. I'll turn the mic on, and you're on your own. I can't help you because this is your thing. He goes, thank you so much. Anyway, the race goes off. There's 12 in the chute. Now, the chute over there looks like it's in another zip code. So I already, I, know, I said, there it is. Okay, fine. No problem. I put the mic on, and he goes, and they're off. Well, the horse, the 12 horse was Arthur the King. So he goes, Arthur. Arthur. Uh, Arthur. And I said, oh, my God. I can't say anything. The whole, and then he just froze on the turn. I mean, it, he was petrified. He was turning purple, blue. He had lost like seven pounds in the last five seconds. I real, literally had to walk the guy out of the booth, almost had to carry him. He was stoned like a, like a toothpick with glasses. I said, this is not going to work. In the whole way. I said, listen, you were terrific. You were really good. And they walked the guy down. And I, I, the rest of his life, he must be walking around saying, Arthur. And I feel so bad for him because everyone in the dining room was, like, all excited for him. I don't think that meal and that idea went too good. But that was another <laughs> announcing story. Holy moly. Larry Letterman, the uh, legendary track announcer, Larry Listen, we really appreciate you joining us, my friend. Don't be a stranger. Oh, You're welcome pleasure. to this program Thank anytime. You. And uh, it was great trading stories with you. And uh, God bless you, my friend. We look forward to uh, hearing you announce uh, often coming up. Thank you. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me on the show. No problem. That was uh, Larry Letterman. Uh... <laughs> Arthur. 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 I'm going to have to remember that the next time I'm behind the mic. Holy moly. Just start screaming, Arthur. Well, uh, 
Listen, we've got some breaks to take. We're a little bit behind Helen Harvey uh, or Helen Harvey. Helen Gregory is on deck. Larry's got me all messed up, uh, laughing so hard. I'm uh, I'm purple and losing seven pounds. Yeah, I wish I could lose seven pounds in my dreams. But anyway, uh, Helen Gregory's uh, on deck. She's going to be joining us. It's our ongoing series on racing under saddle. Plus, we're going to talk about the big races coming up at the Meadowlands uh, and a lot more. You've got post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At The Stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. Hello, this is Kayla Stra, and I'm here to tell you all about BetAmerica.com. It is the fastest-growing legal, safe, and secure website to place all your bets on horse racing. BetAmerica covers over 200 racetracks from North America, the UK, and my home country, Australia. New players to BetAmerica receive a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $300. That's the best sign-up bonus available today. It's time to play the BetAmerica way. Back on post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, and right now we're joined by Helen Gregory, not Ellen Harvey. Helen Gregory. <laughs> Helen, welcome to the program. Larry, Larry Letterman's got me all uh, all confused. Oh, he used to do that with me all the time too. I used to work with Larry at Freehill Raceway. I do the pictures over there, so he called probably thousands of races, and I was listening to him and laughing at him from time to time. So I know him well. It was good to hear from him. Yep. All right. Well, Helen, listen, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about racing under saddle, uh, you know, something that uh, we've had an ongoing series with uh, going on here over the past uh, probably month and a half or so. And we've talked to some different people about racing under saddle. But let's talk about you first. How did you get involved in the industry and uh, a little bit about your background? Um, my background is with the trotters. I was born in Sweden and my father owned racehorses. And, you know, as soon as I was old enough to walk and talk, I, I hung at the barn and as soon as I was old enough to ride them, I was riding them. And um, it's a common fact that in Sweden, we ride a lot of our racehorses to keep them happy and uh, sound. So I have, you know, my whole life I've been riding trotters. So um, I moved here in 97 and really missed it. And when I got a chance to uh, start an exhibition race in 2011 at Yonkers with racing under saddle, I jumped at it, and, and the rest is history. I got hooked. Yeah, now racing under saddle, uh, Helen, has been something uh, that's been kind of making uh, making its rounds a little bit, and we've seen it more and more uh, over the last uh, couple of years. Tell us about your involvement uh, with racing under saddle. Yeah, um, from what I heard, that was before I got here. They had a boots and saddle that the USTA uh, had, like a circuit going around the country, and it was quite popular. 
Um, but then when we got the offer from Yonkers to do it in 2011, you know, with really short notice, we got a, a nice little competitive field together with horses that had never done it, riders that had never done it, and we were all like, wow, this is cool. So I made it my mission to get it to the Meadowlands, and I did in 2012. I got Jeff Corral to jump on it, and I got sponsors, and we had a pretty nice Hamiltonian series that year um, with some pretty nice horses in it too, actually. Um, So, yeah, that's how uh, I got started. And uh, then after 2012, it escalated, and we – started doing like a late closer so it was a series so people had to pay in to to race there and we had like two eliminations and then a final on the big night so it was pretty exciting and i think people liked it now helen talk to us a a little bit you said you were born in sweden have you done any of the uh riding under saddle like overseas or uh any racing overseas now, I, I moved to Sweden before it got uh, going in Sweden. They didn't get betting on it until 2004, I believe it was. So all I did was work them under saddle. I never raced in Sweden, though. Now, we talked a little bit uh, last time uh, to Michelle Kopiak, and she was uh, from the USTA, and she was telling mm-hmm. us a little bit about some of the rules and regulations uh, of racing under saddle and people that want to get involved. And it is a little bit of an – it kind of surprised me a little bit, actually. It is a little bit more of an intricate process uh, than I thought it was. Um, for anybody that is uh, new or considering – uh, wanting to race under saddle, uh, what advice can you give them? What uh, road can you kind of steer them down? Well, yeah, they get to start, you know, to contact the USTA, of course, and get all the, the right paperwork and, and everything in order. But it's to seek out a person that currently has a license. That's what I would do. Uh, I mentored a few girls myself, Stephanie Jacobs. I think you spoke to her. Yep. Um, and I helped her along the way and helped her get her license and, and gave her pointers and stuff, and there's a couple of other girls that I helped. So, um, you know, it's all about finding somebody that can teach you. Like, it's not something, like, it's new, so it's not something that you probably can go out and just learn all by yourself. Like, you need a mentor of some sort. Or, you know, don't be afraid to ask people for help, and, and something will show up, you know. Just ask Stephanie, and there's Tara Hines, and all of these girls that uh, that I've been helping out, so... One of the major things, uh, I think, uh, from talking to uh, different people that are involved in racing under saddle, uh, one of the end goals, end games, is to try to get racing under saddle, uh, perhaps onto racing cards, make them paramutual yeah. um, in, well, a lot of, in, yeah. a lot in a lot of different ways. Do you foresee that uh, ever happening in racing under saddle? As it, as, it's hard. Um, there is loss that needs to be... Uh, rewritten uh, rules, you know, that goes all the way up to politicians, like all the way up to certain state senates. So it's going to be really hard. But but I think the key is to get the big trainers and push for it, because that's what happened in Sweden. Because the tracks weren't that interested in having the, the racing on the saddle, but the trainers and the owners pushed them because they had horses in training that weren't functioning that good in bikes, but there really wasn't anything wrong with the horse per se. It just functions better under saddle. And a lot of trotters are like that. Um, You can just ask any trainer. Um, And uh, so they pushed the tracks really hard and the tracks, uh, they actually um, 
bought it, and now I think they're going on 12 years. They've been having paramutual betting. Say, for example, somebody has a horse that they think uh, might uh, or they may be interested in, in racing under saddle. Is there a, a different way to prepare a horse or to train a horse for racing under saddle as opposed to uh, straight harness racing? Uh, I wouldn't say. I mean, I definitely would get some riding miles into the horse because it is a little bit different with, uh, you know, uh, with a rider on top of their shoulders instead of pulling the bike. Most horses take to it like in an instant, and some of them, it might take a little while. Uh, I qualified a horse once that, you know, he was very slow the last quarter and he was scrambling. But the next next time I got on him, it's kind of like he put two and two together and, and he got a little better. And the third time, we won a race. So, um, and there's a little bit of equipment adjustments you got to do too um, when instead of, you know, going on a bike versus when you ride them. So, but it's, when if there it's a if it's a trotter that's in full racing condition and it's it's built good, there's really not a whole lot of transition. I I don't think for a horse. Helen, if somebody uh, if any of our listeners uh, want to come out and check out a racing under saddle race, uh, where can they do so and when? Yeah, uh, the if you live in uh, New York, there's a fair series going on there, and all the dates are listed on the USTA and the New York Fair. Um, websites and everything and also facebook but the next um race that i'm going to be at is going to be at ocean downs on july 17th so that's going to be a, a really fun night with a hopefully a competitive race and a lot of horses in it all right july 17th uh make sure uh for all, that's a day after my birthday by the way so oh, uh, okay. everybody yeah <laughs> Hey, listen. When you start to get my age, you don't think about birthdays anymore. But uh, listen, for anybody that for anybody that wants to come out, check it out. July seventeenth, Ocean Downs. Or for anybody in the New York area, make sure you check out their uh, fair circuit. It's it's really exciting. Yeah. I mean, I've had a chance to see a lot of different races. Um, yeah. Saw a couple live, and then on YouTube, and you know, you can go on YouTube yeah. and look. And I'll tell you, it's it's, it's, it's very very exciting. YouTube has a lot from the Meadowlands, the series we had up there, and they're really good races, so try and check that out if you have a chance. Um, I hope we could go back to the Meadowlands, but it's a work in process, and we'll see what's going to happen. I'm not giving up just yet, but uh, it's it's really a passion of mine. All right. Helen, listen, we certainly appreciate you taking time out and joining us on the program. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, that was Helen Gregory, uh, an ongoing series of racing under saddle. And, Mike, I'll tell you, that's one thing that that I've certainly uh, found from doing these interviews and, uh, you know, about with people involved in racing under saddle is how passionate they are and how it's kind of take, take, you know, it's kind of caught fire overseas. And they're kind of hoping to transition that here to the uh, United States. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, riding under saddle is, it's you know, it's a fun thing to watch. Canada actually has the riding under saddle to where you can wager on it. <clears throat> Excuse right. me. And, you know, I, I got to say it, it, it's fun to wager on it. You know, it's a different kind of aspect. And I think uh, I think uh, American racing could uh, really use it and use it well. Right. Now, you did you have something before the break or do you want to bring it? Uh, do you want to uh, talk about it after the break? No, let's talk about it now. Uh, real quick, we wanted to talk, for those of you who are just joining us or maybe missed the Larry Letterman interview, we wanted to talk about his medical condition. He did give us a medical update. Um, the big thing that uh, we took from that was he does have a malignant brain tumor. Um, it's not growing any larger, um, and it hasn't moved. However, they can't figure out uh, how he is still around. And, you know, Larry's a fighter, and um, 
the one thing that, uh, you know, Mike, the one thing that, uh, you know, is big in these type of situations. I mean, Stuart Scott said it, uh, Jimmy V said it is don't give up. Don't ever give up. Certainly not. And Larry, I'll tell you what, and if you listened, uh, I had a chance to listen to Larry uh, call at Delaware Park uh, last Saturday, I believe. And I'll tell you what, he hasn't lost a beat. And uh, when I talk to him, when I call him, I always tell him, I said, Larry, I hope you're feeling as good as you're sounding because he sounds just as good uh, now as uh, he he has 10, 15, 20 years ago. I mean, just a top-notch announcer and a guy that certainly puts uh, a different twist onto it. But I will say one thing about Larry Letterman, Mike, is that when the chips are down and he has to call a serious race, he's right up there with the best of them. And he can call uh, just as good in the serious race with the big stakes race uh, as good as anybody. As far as I'm concerned, Mike, you know, I completely agree. Larry is uh, one of my idols and, you know, I went to visit him in 2007 at freehold raceway and what a nice guy. He gave my dad the microphone and told him to say three minutes and, you know, it just, what a fantastic individual and uh, just a great person. Yeah, in his announcing, uh, he gets people involved. He gets fans involved. And, you know, that's what we need in the sport. We have to get people involved in the sport. And when people see they can get involved in the sport, you know, uh, even if it's just by saying their name, you know, they feel like they're a part of the show. And, and uh, you know, guess what? You do that and you've got a fan for life. Well, uh, we're going to take a look at the big races uh, coming up at the Meadowlands. Uh, they're at it again, Mike. And maybe we'll even talk a little bit about the Pocono. Uh, ben Franklin, I was there and I had a chance to witness all that action and boy what a great time we had and what a jam-packed house they had so we'll talk a little bit about that we'll talk about the upcoming race at the Meadowlands and uh, we'll wrap things up and not to uh, in uh, the not too distant future on this edition of post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America Embroidery Unlimited is a premier provider of quality embroidery screen printing and promotional products our commitment to quality and pride in our work is second to none. We focus on quality and customer service. For all of your stable or business needs, Embroidery Unlimited is the number one provider in harness racing. Give Jim Winsky a call at 508-485-5522. That's 508-485-5522. Or visit them on the internet at EmbroideryUNL.com. That's EmbroideryUNL.com. Embroidery Unlimited. The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standard breads the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations. Racehorse Adoption Program. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack is one of the premier harness racing facilities and card clubs in the Midwest. Located in beautiful Minnesota, just north of the Twin Cities, off I-35, and also available at simulcast outlets and ADWs across North America with live harness racing action May through September. For the full schedule and for more information, visit our website, runaces.com. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. 
Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich alongside of Mike Carter. And Mike, well, I'll tell you what, what a whirlwind show this has been. Uh, we had some great guests on, including Larry Letterman, Helen Gregory, Kathy Parker led off the program. I uh, got to hear from uh, Steve Wiseman and uh, track announcer uh, Darren Gagne up at the Running Aces Casino and Racetrack. Um, and we were so busy, we really didn't have a chance to talk about uh, the big race that happened last Saturday. Not only, right. first of all, before I forget, and I think this kind of was overshadowed just a little bit, and I'll let you talk about this for a minute, but uh, what a performance by Abregato. Uh, if you, uh, it's funny you mentioned that. If you ask anybody who was standing in the winner's circle that night, they would highly disagree with you. Apparently, he was kicking and biting, and he just wasn't having anything of it. He pulled a wiggle and jiggle it in the winner's circle. But, uh, no, Obregato put in a monstrous effort. You know, he had to uh, – he had to avenge his second place loss from last year. He got caught right at the light. And, uh, you know, he, he's just an impressive, impressive racehorse. And Mark Mack drove that horse very well. And uh, we were glad to have Obergato there. Yeah, and uh, I'll tell you what, this horse has really caught fire. It's looked uh, tremendous over the last uh, month or so. And uh, we've got some big races coming up at the Meadowlands. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. The uh, Crawford Farms Meadowland Pace Elimination. Uh, wiggle it, jiggle it's going at it again with Freaky Feet Pete in the graduate final. But how about that race last week at Pocono at Mohegan Sun? And uh, I had a chance to be there as a fan just watching, and uh, it was a great, great race. Always be Mickey was able to sweep just beyond the quarter. That surprised me. I didn't. Th- I thought always be Mickey would be kind of clogged up in that outer flow, but but uh, always be Mickey was able to sweep before the quarter, get past Freaky Feet, P, wiggle it, jiggle it. Was used the second time coming first over. Uh, he battled with always be Mickey to the top of the stretch. Freaky Feet, Pete had a chance to come through, come up about a half a length short. Melmera was right there as well, saved ground, swung out wide, and I'm gonna tell you right now. At the top of the stretch, when Mel Maris swung out wide, if I had a chance to bet on one of those four horses, it probably would have been Mel Mara because from my vantage point, uh, he Corey, what a great drive by Corey. I mean, just saved ground, was able to move to the outside and swing wide, and I thought for sure that Mel Mara was going to even the score on the, those three horses and was able to sweep by, but always be Mickey. It was a tremendous effort. Time, 147. I thought for sure that the race would have gone under 147, Mike, but one thing uh, that I have to tell you, when I first got got there during the day i would say between the when the first race went off and when that race went off which was uh towards the end of the program i would have to say that the temperature had to dip a good 15 degrees it got quite chilly out and uh, i'm gonna tell you what if that was the first race i would bet everything i had that that race would have gone under 147 no, I completely completely agree. We had a lot of people in uh, in our contest uh, who really thought that that race was going to go in 145 and four. I thought for sure that that race was going to go in under 146, 
And, uh, you know, it was a little disappointing as far as the time went, but the race itself did not disappoint whatsoever. You know, always be Mickey, Wiggle and Jiggle and Freaky Feed Pete. And how about Freaky Feed Pete, Mike? He put in a 147-1 and effort last week, and then he come right back this week with a 147 effort, just an unbelievable horse. And I think Freaky Feed Pete is uh, just getting into his prime, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch as him and Wiggle It, Jiggle It and the rest of these guys battle it out all the way to the Breeders' Crown. But there's, you know, Wiggle It, Jiggle It is not a um, – is going to have to supplement to the Breeders' Crown. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's going to be an interesting year. And I can't wait to see these guys, uh, these guys hook up, and hopefully they will all hook up at the Dan Patch in um, in uh, just a couple of weeks. That's right, and you're going to be there, Mike. Uh, I'll be here, you'll be there, and uh, you'll have all the action from uh, a ringside seat, so to speak. And we'll give all of our uh, listening audience a ringside seat to the uh, the Dan Patch. But uh, the main thing, Mike is they all have to stay healthy. I mean, that's the big thing. And it, it could be kind of tough. I mean, you know, horses just, you know, they go in and out of, and not necessarily get injured, but I mean, just go in and out of form, um, you know, so it, just, you know, little nicks here and there and, and a little bit of soreness issues here and there. We just have to hope that they all stay healthy toward, uh, you know, throughout the year because it's going to be great. I have no doubt that these great horses are going to trade wins. I mean, we saw Freaky Feet Pete be Wiggle It Jiggle It. We've seen Wiggle It Jiggle It be Freaky Feet Pete. We've seen, uh, you know, Mel Marabit always be Mickey, always be Mickey Turn the Day. I mean, it's just uh, you've got great horses, and I think they're all going to trade wins as uh, time goes on. And uh, the chap- the next chapter of one of these rivalries is uh, going to be uh, written coming up uh, in the graduate. And uh, Mike, if you got your program open uh, for the Meadowlands, it's $250,000. It's race 10 on the Saturday program. Wiggle it, jiggle it. Draws post three. Freaky Feet Pete draws uh, post eight. Uh, Rock and Ron is in that particular race as well. Uh, he uh, did uh, not make the finals, had a very tough trip in the uh, limbs in their race against Always Be Mickey. Finished third to Luck Be With You, who, by the way, what a great performance in the consolation, Mike. Luck Be With You at 147-4. And, four. and uh, you know, I thought, and I saw this, I saw, oh, man. And, and the consolation was way before the the finals. And I saw, wow, luckily with you go 47 and four. How could this race, the, the finals, not go uh, under 47? But like we said, it uh, got considerably chilly. But in the arsenals uh, in this race, uh, you've got Dudes the Man, who uh, made over $700,000 as a three-year-old. Uh, some great horses in this race. Uh, and you've got a field of 10. Uh, wiggle it, jiggle it, like we said, draws, draws post three. Freaky Feet Pete draws post eight. Mike, how do you see this race shaping up? You, you know, this is an interesting race all by itself. You've got Wiggle Jiglet on the inside, who is going to obviously flash some early speed. The question I have is whether Rock and Ron is going to go to the top or not. Uh, this is a very tripped-out horse. He finished very gamely in the Franklin Consolation in 148-1. and one. He finished third to Luck Be With You in Cooperstown. But that, that's my question mark horse at this point. Freaky Feet Pete, I got to tell you, Mike, he, I, I got to think Trace is going to have him somewhere close to the top. You can't let Wiggle It Jiggle It get too loose on the lead or, uh, you know, he has the chance to maybe back it down a little bit and then take off again. But Wiggle It Jiggle It is coming off three straight 25-4 and four opening quarters, okay? And he went uh, four straight quarter, or half times in 54 or less. It's just unprecedented how fast that horse is. But I got to think 
that freaky feed Pete is going to be the one to knock off here. Well, it's going to be interesting. I think uh, I think Wiggles gets the job done here. I think uh, Freaky Feet Pete will probably – I think Wiggle is going to go right down. I, I do think Rock and Ron's leaving, by the way, to answer your question. So I think you're going to see these three horses, uh, first, second, third, in some kind of order, and uh, either Wiggle it or Freaky end up with the lead. But I think this is Wiggle's race here uh, from the inside, but it, uh, it certainly is going to be interesting. But if you want to go back a, a couple of races, Mike, uh, before we let everybody go, we've got uh, Meadowlands Pace a Elimination. How about, do you believe it's time for the Meadowlands pace already? Unbelievable. Um, and uh, that is race number seven. Uh, one elimination, a field of 10. And uh, you've got, uh, listen, you've got Boston Red Rocks. You've got uh, Lions uh, Snyder talk show. I was a little bit disappointed in talk shows. I thought this horse is really going to uh, race better in the hemp, but uh, does draw the inside looking for perhaps a rebound effort. You've got control the moment who was just completely brutalized in the hemp. I, I don't think we can even pay attention to that race. I think control of the moment will be much, much better with driver Brian Sears, who, by the way, is on the Hall of Fame ballot, Mike Carter. Yeah, Brian Sears made the Hall of Fame ballot this year, so we're really excited about that. This race, this, this race is a uh, – it, it's very interesting, and, you know, it's a field of 10, the top nine go. Racing Hill will get the bye into the final, and the winner draws post one through six. You know, Lion Snyder is coming off a very good qualifier. You don't see many qualifiers going 51 and three uh, picks up David Miller again this week is coming down from Canada where Sylvain Fillion has been driving. Um, that's a horse that's kind of, kind of an interesting horse. If you ask me, the one horse I've really been surprised that hasn't transferred the form this year is Boston Red Rocks. Uh, Boston Red Rocks severely disappointed me in the Pepsi North America Cup. Finished second in the Hemp Elimination, uh, coming home in 26 and four to a 149 and three mile. But Mike, I, I, I got I wasn't impressed with the final. I think Racing Hill and J.K. Willpower are just better horses. I think Control the Moment has got a uh, has got a big shot to win this race as well. So this race can go any way if you ask me. But with an elimination, uh, anything's possible. And then right the next race, uh, race number eight, you've got uh, the Grandwood Series final for four-year-old open trotters, and you've got a very good field of 10 with musical rhythm, the 5-2 to two morning line favorite caught all the way out in post 10. I think that could be the great equalizer in here. Uh, you've got uh, Kanipa Hanover, obviously uh, is good when he doesn't break. He made a break last time, uh, and that now is a 17-5 last five is a heavy favorite. Uh, finished fifth uh, back on the fourth, uh, so I don't know. And then there's been another big break in racing time for uh, the four-year-old uh, Jimmy Tactor trainee, so if you're looking for value, that might not be the way to go. Maestro Blue Chip, uh, who uh, finished fifth uh, against Obrigado in the Cleveland Classic. Uh, what was the deal with Maestro Blue Chip last time at Northfield Park? Was uh, Did the trip do him in? Yeah, pretty much. You know, the horse uh, tried to come first up and just did not advance. The pace was relatively modest, but if you if you look at the three-quarter time, it was 25. Uh, they came home in uh, – the, Victor Kirby came home in 29-2. and two. They came home in, it looks like, 28-2. and two. So it was some pretty quick fractions, uh, you know, once the race was, you know, coming to a close. So I wasn't too impressed with Maestro Blue Chip. It gets a better draw here for trainer Joanne Looney King. I say it gets a better draw, but that's actually a lie because it's the same post position. But in the Maxi Lee, Mike, from post six, uh, granted they had, had involved all the breakers, but this horse looked really good in the, uh, in the Maxi Lee. 
Abergato just, uh, you know, kind of got away from the Sono Dream as the trot setter in that race. But, uh, no, you did mention a good point, Mike. I think post six on a mile track is certainly a lot better than post six on a half mile track. So striking position could be a little bit better and you're getting Tim Tietrich back in the bike. So I think Maestro Blue Chip certainly has uh, a big chance there. And uh, let's see. There's some more. It's a good wagering card, by the way. You've got uh, uh, 13 races there and uh, some, uh, you know, that pick four. I think the pick four starts in uh, the, 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 the race that pick four started, Mike. It's uh, in the seventh. The late pick four yeah, seventh race, and you know you can bet this entire card at betamerica.com. And Mike, they've also got some uh, great Meadowlands, um, great Meadowlands contest as well. So it's uh, it's really interesting to see uh, you know some of the contests that they have, and um, you know involving the Meadowlands programs. And I gotta say, this is a great, great betting card. Yeah, it certainly is. And like I said, that $50,000 guaranteed pick four starts in race seven. It's got a good 15% takeout. And, uh, you know, it starts at that Meadowlands pace elimination uh, with only 10 horses. Racing Hill gets a bye, by the way. So Racing Hill will be in the finals uh, in in the Meadowlands pace. But uh, you've got that. And then, of course, in the 10th race, you've got that graduate series final for Pacers ending that pick four. So find a key. And, uh, you know, maybe in your middle races, uh, you could uh, afford to spread out a little bit, especially in that eighth race where you've got 10 musical rhythms starting all the way out in post 10. Well, Mike, it's been a great show. You got anything else before we wrap things up? Well, one thing I did want to mention, if you notice, when the winner of the Meadowlands Pace Elimination gets to draw one through six. Now, the question is, where does Racing Hill get? Does he get to draw with the one through six, or does he get to draw with the field? He, uh, he might be at a small disadvantage getting the buy into the final. Yeah. I mean, he, he's very sharp though, but like you say, I mean, post positions, uh, you know, I mean, it is a mile track there. So, I mean, unless, yeah, but you know, gets, look at Father you know. Patrick from, uh, from post 10 a couple of years ago. Just remember that. That's all I'm saying. Well, yeah. I mean, I think post 10 could be a problem, but seven or eight, eh, you know, eh, I don't know. I mean, if it was a half well, mile track or five eights, I would certainly be more concerned. I, I, I got to say this though, real quick, before we go off the air, there's not a ton of speed in this three-year-old crop. And so uh, if if Racing Hill draws outside, I got to think he's just going to leave anyway. So it, it will be uh, it will definitely be uh, very interesting. That's for sure. And one thing to note, Mike, is check six is going to be first time late six. That is, my, uh, that is one of my big angles in racing is horses that are first time late six. And so, uh, you know, maybe I'll throw check six in there in the uh, trifecta or superfecta to add a little bit of value. Check six is a very talented horse. I've uh, had a chance to see this horse race a couple of times at Harris Philly. Very talented. And uh, that's a very good observation. First time Lasix could certainly play a big part, even though he is starting from post eight, but you know, that's all right. Like I say, we just talked about post positions, not meaning as much uh, on a mile. Track. I, was gonna so, yeah, I, agree, I agree with you, Mike. I'm, I think check six has got a big shot in there. Uh, no, I, I got to tell you real quick. We were talking about your birthday earlier. You said, oh, when I get to my age, what are you oh, celebrating yeah. this year? Your 90th or your 100th birthday? I don't celebrate birthdays anymore, Mike. But, I mean, I'm not <laughs> going to not accept checks. So, you know, listen, if you want to send a check, just make sure it's good. Yeah, yeah right, right. <laughs> so, all right. Well, it has been a black Mike, where did this last hour and a half go? We have had so much fun. For those of you who did not catch the Larry Letterman interview, we really want to stress that uh, everybody uh, go back and listen to it because Larry Letterman did give us a medical update as to how he was doing, how he was feeling. We shared some great stories, Mike, and I tell you, I haven't laughed that hard in a long time. We had a lot of fun with Larry. We talked to Helene Gregory, who uh, 
talk to us a little bit about racing under saddle and Kathy Parker was a lot of fun to talk to as well. If you missed the, this show or any show, you can visit us at posttimewithmikeandmike.com or at betamerica.com backslash barn, B-A-R-N. Check us out in the barn for all our show archives. Well, for Mike Bozich, I'm Mike Carter. We thank you for joining us. We're back next week with a first post of 7 o'clock. Good night.